Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Favorite listeners, it's Pastor Jonathan Mason. Welcome back to the pastor's office. It's Sunday, uh, Sunday, the third Sunday in March. Uh, we are still in the Lenten season. How are you doing with your fast? How are you doing when it comes to spending more time with the Lord? Are you praying more? Are you reading scripture? Are you working diligently to develop a closer relationship with our Savior? The Lenten season is an important time of the year for us to really get our bearings and recognize what our priority should be. And our first priority, our first priority should be a relationship, a strong relationship with Almighty God. Hadn't he been good to us? I'm going to go to church for a second. Hasn't he been better to us than we've been to ourselves? Come on, somebody. This is the time of year. And 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 let me be clear, and I say this all the time to my congregation, uh, this is not just a 40, 46-day journey. The goal is that the habits and behaviors that you enhanced during this Lenten period will become lifetime habits, lifetime habits. So come on, let's make the most of our time. Let's not take any day for granted. All right, all right, all right, let me move forward. we got a great show for you today, uh, and I certainly want to thank you for all the feedback we've been getting uh, on the guests that we've had on, the mayoral candidates, uh, our city council people, those that are in state government, uh, we really appreciate your feedback. So please continue to hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Instagram, uh, uh, just continue to give us quality feedback about the topics that you want to hear on this show. I got a great one for you in this first segment. Uh, this young man uh, in 2012 started an organization called As I Plant This Seed. It is totally focused on youth development and community advancement. He's done a great work in less than 11 full years. And we wanted to bring him on board to talk to you about it this afternoon and hopefully get some of you engaged in the great work that he's doing. I want to bring in the founder and CEO of As I Plant This Seed, Mr. Ryan Harris. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the pastor's office for the very first time. Come on in, sir. How are you? 
I'm doing amazing. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you. God is absolutely awesome. Uh, and so we're doing wonderful here at Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM. But I found out about your program was absolutely uh, excited to bring you on the airwaves so that we can share your wonderful message. First of all, before we get into As I Plant This Seed, tell our audience a little bit about Ryan Harris, you know, your, uh, where you're from, upbringing, all of those good things. Talk to us. Get, introduce us to you. Absolutely. Hi, everybody doing? Um, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Ryan Harris, like y'all, you know, like Pastor just said. And um, I was born and raised in the Hunter Park area, North Philadelphia, if y'all familiar with it. Um, and uh, I literally grew up like, like everybody else, exposed to poverty, for sure. But uh, I definitely was raised in the, in the church. I have a very, very, very strong Christian religious background. Uh, my mom, my dad both was raised in the church. So we was raised in the church. And when I say church... You know, back in the day, it was church on Monday, Wednesday, <laughs> Friday, three times on Sunday. That's Sunday right. school, I, I was in church, you know. And uh, I mean, I, I thank God for that now when I look back because the organization that we started is the, one of our pillars is Proverbs twenty two and six, which is say, train up a child in the way he should go, and the way he is older, he will not depart from it. And that's something that you know we live by, we stand by, and that's why we're doing in the community I was raised in. And um, I had some mentors that helped me along the way uh, while I was really, really young. My second grade teacher, Mr. Warren, shout out to him. He's still teaching right now, and he's still very much active in my life. Um, you know, exposed me to college, which, which took me to actually going to Tain University. Shout out to the first HBCU, 1837. If y'all online, y'all know what's up. And I got there, and I, I was introduced to another mentor by the name of Dr. Flynn. He passed away in the, in the pandemic, and he kind of, like, exposed me to some concepts and ideas that, you know, really was foreign to me from the upbringing, just, you know, the eight-block radius I was being raised in, and, you know, education system wasn't being, you know, the fairest to us. So, you know, it was a, a breath of fresh air to be able to understand how the world works and how to really create. And he taught us some things and gave us some skills and some tools to, you know, take back to our community. And that's exactly what we did. And, um, 2011, I graduated from Trinity university. And then 2012, we started the organization to start giving back and doing what we were supposed to do in the community. So that's a little bit about my background. So giving back is essential. Giving back is, is critical. Uh, one of my favorite statements is until every child has a seat at the table of success, none of us have a seat at the table of success. So I, I commend you for giving back. But tell us a little bit about as I plant this seed uh, and what the overall uh, mission and focus is of the organization. Okay, so as I plant this seed was born in 2012, like I said, after graduation, I was trying to figure out, you know, what can I do with the information that I got from school? How can I repackage it and give it to the community and make it pleasurable and accessible for people to really grasp the knowledge and be able to apply it to their life? And how can I give back in a major way? And not just any way, but an impactful way that really makes people feel valued and uh, start to put that sense of value, that the family values back into the community by, by bringing the community together with different events and, you know, making a, a family 
type vibe versus just um, you know, just having the event and, you know, giving away some tools, but we really start building relationships that ultimately, you know, pushed us in the direction of programming and consistent programming where we are, you know, taking the kids on eleven to seventeen and we're, you know, equipping them with some skills. And we're doing it in a fun, cool way where, you know, they can be receptive, you know, around some trusted adults really looking forward to pouring to the youth and help them push them to their full potential. So as I've been to see, we have evolved over time going into our own facility, which is called a treehouse that we got in 2019, but we raised the money in 2018, standing on a broad hunting park, um, praying and fasting until we raised $30,000 in two and a half days to be able to get our community center, wow. which is a row house in Hunting Park that we turned into a community center. And um, we raised that money, you know, standing on faith, believing in God. And, you know, you know, a lot of people told me I was crazy to do it. A lot of people told me that it wasn't going to happen, even some of my closest friends and family. And, um, you know, I, I did what God told me to do. And it was a need for us to be able to serve our community the way we needed to. So, we had to get our own building, and that's what we did. And, you know, we sat out there with a days in the cold rain, and we sat on faith. I didn't move, and I didn't eat until we raised $30,000 to get our building. And that's how we acquired the treehouse. And we've been programming out of there ever since, since 2020, when we opened up after we got the building up to standard. You're listening and, um, to Philly's Favorite 100.7 FM, and we're talking to Ryan Harris, who is the CEO, the founder of As I Plant This Seed. Ryan, do me a favor and share with our listeners some of the programs that the young people can get involved in, and also what age groups you're servicing. Absolutely. So we have 12 programs running right now, from chess to entrepreneurship program, which is called Building Business for Kids, teaching kids how to build a business from beginning to the end, promotion, advertisement, to even the thought of your idea or the service and helping them flesh out their ideas and turn it into a business. We also have CPR for the youth. We also have a music program. We have a graphic design program. We have the Talk to Me mentorship program. We have a tutoring program, a journal writing program, a boxing program, and we also have programs for our high school students to prepare them for college, which is um, get get my kid to college, college prep program. Um, so we have all three programs at the Treehouse starting from 4 to 8, Monday through Saturday. Are all of the programs free or are there any expenses tied to it for the young people? All the programs are completely free. Nobody has to pay for anything. We feed them. We take them on trips. Um, and none of that is uh, any cost to any parent. You know, we remove all the boundaries from the kid. All the boundaries from the kids having to uh, pay to, you know, access these programs. We make them completely free. Now, how does uh, one get in touch with as I plant this seed, because I, I got to tell you, and I, I say I share this with our listeners all the time. You know, there are so many hidden gems out there uh, that our young people can benefit from, uh, and so that's why we work really hard to expose them and and let the community know about them. So, share with us how we can get in touch with you and the organization. Well, you can always get us on our website, which is as I plant this seed.com 
Um, and if you are familiar with any social media networks, um, Facebook and Instagram, we are as I plant this seed, no spaces. And if you want to know anything about the programs or see any of the programs, we are on Instagram with the Treehouse AIPS on Instagram. So, yep. Now you've had enough time uh, with the program to have some. I'm sure, amazing success stories. Some young people who've gone through and come back with sterling accomplishments and achievements. I always ask, uh, you know, program leaders, just share a couple stories with us that that really will show the impact of the program. Well, absolutely. We have seven graduating classes of mentees that graduated out of our mentorship program that are doing exceptionally well. Some of them came back to start their own programs at the Treehouse. Another one just graduated from Westchester University, and we literally uh, started a movie program to create their own movies. And um, he just, you know, took the idea and ran with it from 16 years old, and he created his own business from that. And he is now the creative director for the Treehouse. So he is uh, an employee at the program that he used to, you know, be serviced in. And, you know, that's the type of kids that we're raising. He also is one of the youngest committee people. He won uh, uh, a seat last year in the Hunter Park section to be a committee person. And so did another one of my mentees that is actually the youngest committee person. She's 19 years old and she attended Cheney University. So we have kids that's doing some amazing things. Uh, we have different artists that's successful that, you know, get involved with, you know, giving back to the community and doing positive music for the youth. And we also have some kids that's in the the, uh, the treehouse that they actually run business in the basement. So we have one of my mentees that have a nail tech business in the basement. Another one of my mentees, she brings here in the basement. So they're making money and they're, you know, giving back to the community as well and being mentors too. So, now, Ryan, I keep hearing Cheney University, and I, and, and I got mad respect for Cheney, but it sounds like you're creating a pipeline at Cheney. We we, we want to support Norfolk State and Hampton. And, and <laughs> well, listen, listen, listen. I just, I just uh, last week we had HBCU week at the Treehouse. Nice. And Howard came through, so uh, we had 25 Howard students coming back, helping us out with the community, mentoring some of the youth. Um, helping them with their homework and also doing some fun games. And we just enjoyed ourselves giving back to the community with them. So I'm exposing them to all the HBCUs. Trust me, I'm not living in the Taney, but Taney is, is, you know, you know it's first. You know, I got to hold it down. <laughs> understood, <laughs> understood. Now, over the years, how many children would you say have been impacted by your program? Mm, mm, mm. I would definitely say um, we've touched thousands of youth in uh, different capacities, but as far as me mentoring, uh, I would say over 100 youth that I personally mentor that is doing amazing work that graduated out of my program. And right now we're currently um, um, mentoring about 40 kids right now. Wonderful. Middle, middle school and high school. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, listen, I want to congratulate you and commend you on the work that you're doing with As I Plant This Seed. Uh, and, and I'm assuming... You're always up for donations and contributions? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We're always, always looking for donations, contributions. Um, PayPal, you can get us at as I put this seed at gmail.com. 
and uh, our cash app, if anybody want to do that, it is The Treehouse, A-I-P-T-S. To make sure you hit the cash, the cash sign in the beginning. All right. Ryan Harris, CEO, founder. As I plant this seed, doing an outstanding work in our community, being a blessing to our young people. Ladies and gentlemen, Philly's favorite listeners, please support this worthy cause. Send your children there. Uh, let's continue to create seats at the table of success for our young people. Sir, keep on doing a great work, and if we can ever be of assistance to you, we're right here. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. And we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, Pastor Jonathan Mason back with you in the pastor's office. I want to thank Ryan Harris, CEO of As I Plant This Seed, for joining us in our first segment. Uh, We really appreciate the work he's doing in our community. But as we talk about community, uh, which we do almost every week, I talk to you about this opioid crisis that has gripped Philadelphia. Uh, As you know, our station is located in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia uh, and up under the L line, uh, not too far from where we're located, uh, is what I call ground zero uh, for the opioid crisis here in the city of Philadelphia. And recently I was uh, doing some research, uh, reading some articles uh, and heard about this new drug called Trank. It is a wound-causing drug. Let me say that again. Trank results in wounds appearing on your body. It blew my mind. It blew my mind. And as I did more research, one of the things that I uh, found out is that, you know, some of our drug dealers— uh, aren't necessarily uh, cutting some of the drugs with Trank. Sometimes when you pick it up that that baggie, it's all Trank. This is scary. It's scary. Uh, and I wanted to talk to our Deputy Commissioner of Health for the city of Philadelphia, Mr. Frank Franklin, Uh, about this crisis that we're dealing with. So let me invite into the pastor's office, uh, Mr. Frank Franklin, Deputy Health Commissioner, City of Philadelphia. Sir, how are you? And welcome. Pastor Mason, I'm doing well. I'm doing well on this Friday afternoon. Thank you so much for extending the opportunity to come on your show and talk a little bit about this with you and your listeners, as well as your parishioners. Well, listen, I I got interested in this because I actually saw a wound care vehicle driving around in the Kensington section of Philadelphia, and I I did not understand why there was a wound care vehicle driving around the city of driving around this particular section. And that's when I came to understand uh, this this Trank. Tell us about Trank and what you've learned about it, sir. Absolutely. Trank is a. Is actually its formal name is xylosine, but as you as you mentioned, it's referred to as Trank out in the streets. It's a non-opioid veterinary tranquilizer, actually. So it's 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 designed to be used with animals and not with people. And over the last I don't know maybe five ten years, um, it's increasingly been added to fentanyl and other street drugs in Philadelphia. So primarily fentanyl, but as well it's been added to um, 
other uh, counterfeit drugs, um, counterfeit meaning there may be prescription or actual versions of it that are scheduled, such as, um, I don't know, Percocet or counterfeit um, drugs like that. So it's, 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 it has a broad reach. Um, it's not approved for human use, and um, it's, it's associated with fatal overdoses as well as chronic deep wounds. So here's my question. How did a drug that's approved for large animals get into the streets? I, I, I'm, I'm confused by that. You know, it's still, I'm not clear. We're not actually clear either. Like I said, it's a tranquilizer used for veterinarian purposes. So for all intents and purposes, you, the only people who would actually be ordering this or, or acquiring this would be individuals or agencies that has a license to do so. From what I understand, there is yet to be detected any sort of large diversion, so we can't really say it's being diverted from one group to the next. So it's still still kind of a mystery a little bit, but it, it's out there. So this this drug, Trank, it was used to cut into, and again, I'm, I'm not an expert on these things, right. but, but it was used to cut into another drug to create legs, uh, uh, is my understanding, to, to make the effect of the drug last longer. Am I correct? That's correct. So fentanyl itself, which is, is an opioid, as they say, has about a shelf life of maybe three or four hours, depending on a lot of other factors that I'm not fully aware of, but adding this uh, non-opioid uh, tranquilizer to it or adding trank to it sort of enhances the effect of the opioid or the fentanyl in this case. And it can be deadly. It can be deadly. Um, Xylazine acts on the central nervous system. It produces profound sedation and slowed heart rate and, and, and an impaired lung rate and a decreased perception of pain. So sometimes individuals, you may use the naloxone to revive an individual, but they may appear and um, be still very heavily sedated. And naloxone does not reverse the effects of um, xylosine or trank. I, I'm, I'm just blown away by, by the fact that we have animal tranquilizers moving about on our streets. One of the other things that I was curious about were the wounds. Why, why, why does this drug cause these deep wounds? Well, the thinking is, and again, this is a lot of this is sort of things that we're learning on the ground because there's been no experience or it's used for animals. So all the things that we're learning, how it interacts, it impacts human consumption is, is live and in action day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, the thinking is that the uh, the trank causes what they call a certain type of restriction in, in the vascular, the blood system causing necrotic wounds. Now the mechanism behind that, I'm not fully clear about clear on because I'm not I'm not a sort of a, I'm not a physician sure. I'm, and I'm, a, I'm an epidemiologist, but you can't just simply treat the wounds with antibiotics. They require debridement and and medical clinical management. Got it. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM. We are talking to Frank Franklin, uh, who is the Deputy Health Commissioner for the City of Philadelphia. All right, we now understand the drug is out there. We now understand uh, some of the effects that it causes. Talk to us a little bit about what we are doing to mitigate its spread and to help those that have unfortunately become addicted to the drug. Well, PDPH, or Philadelphia Department of Public Health, we're involved in an array of things to try to combat this. A lot of it involves working with our community partners, our behavioral or provider partners, whether it's behavioral or uh, medical clinical partners, to sort of take a 
to educate them on the effects of xylazine, to notice what to look for, um, the associated complications involved in that, and, and coming up with ways to sort of treat withdrawal management and overdose response as well as the wound care. Again, there's no protocols written for this in terms of human interaction. So we, with our partners, have created some protocols based upon the information that we learn on the ground. Another that we have been learning on the ground, another important issue, very important issue, is because this xylazine has spread to not only opioids or some of the counterfeit drugs that I mentioned, it's also spread into um, the uh, cocaine and other stimulant drugs, which has allowed it to sort of spread into other communities you wouldn't traditionally see, particularly black and brown communities being impacted by um, xylazine. And individuals who don't necessarily or would not have historically considered themselves an opioid user or in that category of, of drug users or that being their drug of choice. So we're out in the communities in different neighborhoods beyond Kensington and those other areas that are now, we are now seeing the impact of xylazine. So we're trying to reach out to these different communities and make sure that we have people on the ground. We're also trying to expand our surveillance of drugs. We work with a third-party vendor to do some surveillance of street drugs to sort of see what's in the drugs, what we're finding um, in these drugs, also what we're finding in our medical examiner's office. Um, we are working with our morbidity and mortality review team to try to see, looking at case-by-case basis, and create recommendations as this thing changes on the ground um, pretty much weekly, if you, if you think about it. Frank Franklin, Deputy Health Commissioner for the City of Philadelphia, we want to thank you for coming into the pastor's office today uh, and talking to us about Trank. Uh, we're going to certainly put up information on our social media platforms uh, so that our listeners can learn more about it. But as always, as I've said to the Health Commissioner herself, and I'll say it to you, if we can ever be of assistance to you as you attempt to get messages out to the City of Philadelphia, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We really appreciate you, sir. Absolutely, Pastor Mason. It's been my, my pleasure. And um, anytime I can help, feel free to reach out to me. All right. Thank you so much. Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Mm-hmm. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Yeah. Take a seat. Sign.